this is the voiceless hazel from hazel speaks i hope everybody's blessed because today i'm blessed to be talking or to be recording this episode suicide is the second leading cause with 800,000 people dying at least in a year on my side last year somebody very close to me at least one person and this is so far i lost the two that is why i found it crucial so crucial to this issue of suicide and to talk more on that i am joined by a beautiful lady hi melody hi hazel how are you well how are you i am doing great my name is melody cervello and i live in arizona in the united states i am a high school math teacher i teach advanced geometry to sophomores and I also host a podcast called Why Teens Matter and that podcast was actually inspired by my stepdaughter her name is Gianna and she died almost 3 years ago by suicide and she was 16 and so I am trying to do uh something similar to you and uh particularly i'm more focused in the in the teenage realm trying to bring a voice to um teenagers through her inspiration um i think that so often our teens are misguided and and mistaken for their lack of experience and so they're they often feel discarded and uh i think that those years are impressionable and tough for teenagers and if i can use her story and her light and her energy to help another person make a decision that is different than the one she made then all of the labor that i put into that podcast will be worthwhile that is very great um before we can just talk about um side what are you grateful for in life i think the biggest thing that i'm grateful for is the support of my family and friends i think that without a community life would be really difficult and i feel for the people that maybe are not as blessed to have that support system around them and i think that that is what all of us could do better at is making sure that we are reaching out to our friends and acquaintances and coworkers and you know peers to just be that support and to ensure that we're all okay particularly now in the middle of a pandemic hopefully on the on the uh, near end of it somebody asked a question on facebook on this cuz like the question was what are you grateful for in life and then i said i'm grateful that i got a second chance so do you believe in second chances absolutely yes i think i believe in in so many chances i think that we have i mean personally if i reflect on my life There are so many different segments of my life that have completely changed my direction and my focus. I've had two different careers. I have had 
just different phases of my life that have been completely different. And, um, and I, I feel like every time that we grow and move into a new phase of life, um, it, it's kind of like a, a second chance again. Now I'm saying that's very true. Yeah, I went through a phase of life um, about five and a half or six years ago where I too felt um, so depressed and so sad and so lonely and so discarded that uh, it was hard to think about moving on and and I very much considered not. Um, and and so to, to tell a little more of my story, not only did I lose my stepdaughter three years ago, but uh, also 11 years ago, I lost my father to suicide. And had I not lost my dad, I'm, I'm not sure that my decision to stay alive would have been the same. And I say that because having, being a, a survivor of a family member who dies by suicide, uh, it, it changes a lot of your outlook on life. And the phases of uh, healing are long. Um, the phases that we go through, you know, it, it doesn't really start with, I mean, everybody's different, but generally it starts with disbelief um, and, and eventually comes to acceptance. But there are so many different emotional stages that we go through. Uh, and for me, anger was a big one. Uh, and I was angry at him for doing that to me. I personalized it. I made it about me. Um, but that's normal. And, um, you know, at this point now, I understand a little differently where he was at and how he must have been feeling. Because when I was going through a divorce and um, had been, my ex-husband had cheated on me and and just violated every amount of trust I had in life. Um, I never believed in anything or anyone more than him and us. And my world just came crashing down when it turned out that he was not who I thought he was. And, and it just made me think that everything in this world was a lie. And I reflected on, oh my gosh, this must have been how my dad felt because my dad died by suicide shortly after my stepmother left him for another man after 30 plus years of marriage. And so he, I remember talking with him and he, this man who had been the, the strongest and most unemotional man I'd ever known, the only emotion he ever showed was generally anger or, or happiness, but a lot of anger. Um, he was definitely not the easiest person to live with. So I guess I wonder why she just didn't leave him sooner and not the way she decided to do that. So, um, but that's a whole different story. So, so <laughs> when I was going through it, um, I realized like there is, you know, he must have felt what I'm feeling. I'm feeling thrown away and discarded and worthless and like, I'm trash. Like I'm, I'm not good for anybody or anything. And, and I, I really took somebody else's actions as personal. And I now understand that it's, it was not personal and it had nothing to do with me. And in fact, I grew stronger from it.
But when I was in the middle of that depression and sadness, I couldn't see the other side. Uh, and the only reason why I, I mean, I spent an entire summer, thank goodness I'm a teacher and I have summers off um, because I spent an entire summer not eating um, and I lost a bunch of weight and um, just not really living, sleeping most of the time. And I had a community of friends that kind of helped me to put one foot in front of the other. And, and I think my not eating was me trying to slowly kill myself so that I didn't overtly do it. Um, okay. But, you know, every day I would look at my kids and know that I didn't want to do to them what my dad did to me. And they were too important and they didn't deserve that. And, and I knew the emotions they would go through and they would start with being mad at me <laughs> and I didn't want them to be mad at me. And, um, so yeah, so I'm very thankful for the community that I had that, you know, did support me and get me through, um, a, a really, really tough time in my life. And, and, and eventually, you know, you kind of, you come out of that and now you can look back and recognize what that felt like, um, sympathize with the, empathize really with the people in your life that might be encountering that same feeling of despair and loneliness and, and desperation and, and help them to understand, to just hang on, to just, you know, keep putting one step in front of the other and, and recognize that as, as every phase of life, you know, moves on, this will too. And, and there is growth behind whatever the struggles are that we have. You know, I wish I could have helped Gianna with the same thing. If, if we had been able to recognize her cries for help, we could have stopped that from happening. And, and I think we could have helped her. And I know she would have gone on, um, to do amazing awesome things she was she was working toward dedicating um a life of service and she would have she would have been everything and more to so many people okay you know like i said last year i lost someone when she 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 passed away i was so hurt like in disbelief and then i told myself you know i won't do that i would rather talk same year last year he died in April when the corona thing just started. So last year, towards the end of last year, because I lived four years with depression. And, you know, like if somebody would scream on me, like, call me every day, and then yet Hazel attempted suicide, one would just not believe it. What's wrong with that? Because I smile at work, I would laugh my lungs out, I will always make sure that I am from people. My kids will see me smiling, but yet deep inside, it's like burning. You know, everything was hopeless. Like, I felt like inside, I lived for a day. I didn't have any future in mind. I lived for a day. If, if I can survive today, I'll be okay. If I can survive today, I'll be okay. I didn't have tomorrow or next week or next month. I just lived for today. And I got tired of that. Mm -hmm. I felt like, you know what, I am nothing. People know that this girl is going through this stuff. I I ended up like sleeping intoxicated. Then in the morning when I woke up, I know what happened. I remember myself lying down, overdosed, and like 
you know, I told myself, I know I love my kids to be, but I felt like me pretending to be okay in a way I am hating them. Then I just maybe like not being here anymore, they'll find happiness that that will take care of them. And after that, when I was at the psychiatric ward, in my healing process, I realized that I was wrong. And then I found a friend there, Dr. The Lord. All I needed was somebody to open up to. Mm-hmm. I wanted somebody to hold my hand or anything. I just wanted to vent my issues. Like what my friend did, she would write on Facebook, on her page, like, there's nobody took her serious. Even myself, I didn't. Then, at 12 a.m. on Facebook, like she was saying all her emotions. Then 7 a.m. she said, I'm sorry. That wow. was the last book. And nobody responded by that time. Only a few people. That's when around a.m. we heard that, oh, she's normal. That's when people were going back to her posts, trying to comment, oh, this is so painful. Yet, once she was still alive, Nobody reached out. Right. What I'm trying to say is sometimes people cry out for help. They do. And we take a blind eye. And tomorrow we say, I yet we could see that somebody's hurting. So, like, on your stepdaughter, were there any signs? Like, did you see something like she's hurting or something? Yeah. And so I, I did a podcast episode where I talked with somebody, um, I had a, a person on, and I, I mentioned, we we were talking about a teenager in his community that had just died by suicide and how the community was wrecked and, you know, the kid was the proverbial perfect kid and, you know, nobody saw it coming. And I and I agreed with him and said, yeah, I understand that. And that's, that's kind of how it was with Gianna. And then after that episode, I kind of reflected on what I said and I was like, I wish I could have taken that back because that's not really true. I mean, yes, from the outside, she was, you know, she was drop dead gorgeous and smart as smart can be and had the whole world at her fingertips. She could do anything she wanted to do. And so from an outsider's perspective, sure, she looked like life was perfect. Um, But was her life perfect? No, she, you know, her parents were divorced and um, mom and dad didn't even live in the same state. And so of course, you know, that's difficult. Um, she, you know, typical typical teenager going through the teenage angst, you know, trying to, I, I remember when I was a teenager, I argued with my mom all the time because I think that becomes a sport for most teenagers to argue with their parents, you know. Um, we all assume our parents don't understand anything about our lives. and. Um, so she had some of the normal teenage angst, but uh, she also got involved in a relationship with somebody who was much older than her, who um, I'll just say was n- not somebody that we would have approved for her to be with. Um, you know, it, regardless of the fact that he was much older, he he was not a good influence on her, and and unfortunately you are often a representative of who you surround yourself with and and with teenagers it's difficult for them to recognize that you know they're easily swayed and 
um, he gave her the attention and security that she felt like she must have been missing. Um, I, and I don't, I don't say that out of fact. I don't, I don't know what he gave her, but I know that we attend, we tend to attach ourselves to people that fulfill whatever need it is we need fulfilled. And so there was a reason that she ended up being in a relationship with somebody who really wasn't appropriate for her and who taught her and influenced her in ways that, um, you know, led her to the decision that she made when they broke up. This was a, I believe her first serious relationship with anybody. And when they broke up the desperation that we all feel when we lose a, a life partner or somebody that we're very close to, um, be it a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever. Um, it's painful. It's horribly pain, painful. And, and it doesn't change sadly, as you get older, it's not any different. My dad who, you know, was 62 years old was feeling the same desperation that she was feeling at 16. And I was feeling that same desperation, you know, at, at 44 going through it. So, it, the sadness that we get when relationships end does not discriminate by age and it's not any different. The difference when it's your first is that it's hard to see past that sadness and know that there will be happiness again on the other side. And, um, and to, to convince her that, you know, that, it's that's a hard thing to do what i wish we had done was given her more time and opportunity to talk about how she felt uh and and i think that that's where a lot of people teenagers more often i think than not but a lot of people are just dismissed for their feelings because I think because a lot of us don't want to take on the responsibility of what it means when somebody tells you that they want to end their life or that, you know, they are so sad when, when we know we can't fix it. And I think that's part of the problem. I wish what I learned later is that that was not her first attempt. And had we known that she had attempted suicide prior to her successful attempt, um, we would have changed things and we would have gotten her the immediate help. Um, did we know she was sad? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so should that have been a sign? Yeah. The reality is, yeah, it should have been. Um, my dad actually told my sister that he was going to do that. And, um, when my sister called me to tell me I got angry and I didn't believe him because I couldn't comprehend that my father of all people would even say something like that. And I was false. And now I, I think I go the opposite way. If, if, if a student in my classroom even remotely talks about that kind of sadness, I immediately ask right off the bat, are you suicidal? How, do you have a plan? And I, and I think that's what a lot of people are afraid to have that conversation because they don't want to hear the answer. And that's the problem is that we have to have these conversations and we have to recognize when people are reaching out for help, because in most cases of suicide, there are absolutely warning signs. And in a lot of cases, the, the people that 
to suicide have told somebody that they had a plan. Yeah. And on that, most believe that if you want to commit suicide, you cannot tell somebody that, especially where I come from this side. Like you say, people discussing that if you want to commit suicide, you cannot tell people. People are just seeking attention. No, it's not about attention seeking. People just need a friend to talk to. Do you believe that you can tell people that you want to commit suicide and still be successful and still do it? Yeah, I think absolutely. Generally, if somebody is telling you that they want to commit suicide, they're they're being truthful. You need to believe them. They're being honest. And and so that's when instead of blowing it off to whatever you just want attention, you're then making it about yourself. If I blow off a friend who I think is just seeking attention, then that's that's a problem on me. I'm clearly not a very good friend. And 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 I carry that responsibility. If somebody decided to tell me that that was how they were feeling, if I'm any kind of a good human being, then I'm going to ask, are you serious? Do you have a plan? And that's how you can identify whether somebody you know really is in need of emergent help because if somebody has decided that they want to end their life and they have a plan for how they were going to do that then it is an emergency situation and if if you are the trusted person then you should feel honored and get them that help and the thing that people need to understand about helping out a friend a family member whoever it is is that it does not cost money to get somebody help. There is no reason, there is no barrier to finding mental health support. And if somebody has a plan, it's as simple as calling the local police. And and you know, a a person who is immediately suicidal can be taken to a hospital where they are going to be safe and get them through whatever the traumatic situation is that is making them you know in that putting them in that moment what we need to do is is have those conversations and support the people and believe them and get them through that immediate moment of desperation and with the correct support going forward can somebody live a full and complete life even after attempting suicide or making the decision absolutely 100% mm-hmm. and there are so many stories of suicide survivors who have you're one of them obviously who have gone on to to make a better life and to recognize the seriousness of suicidal thoughts and tendencies the the fact of the matter is i i would anyone that i know that decides to try to diminish the importance of suicide um prevention and just the conversation i would ask them have have you ever considered it because i've not met a person ever who hasn't said yeah i have at some point because we all do i think it's human nature we you know you've heard of the fight or flight response what do you think that is that that is exactly what is going on with people who are suicidal they don't want to fight they want to flight <laughs> they they want to get out and the easiest and fastest way to get out is to die and unfortunately i believe that in in so many cases and and you do hear this from suicide survivors 
um, people who have attempted and survived, um, that in that moment they regretted their action. And, uh, you know, and so knowing that and hearing some of those, you know, stories where, you know, people have done, you know, jumped from a bridge and then as soon as they jumped, regretted it. And I, I think that that's where we need to hear them and catch them before they make a decision that it becomes permanent um, to a problem that we can get them through. Most people just need somebody to listen. It's not an issue of you spending your money, like you said. It's not an issue of spending money. Mm-hmm. You know, I always tell people that your minute or even two minutes of your time can save your life. If somebody says, I need to talk, don't blow them off. Just listen. Because nowadays right. people think it's all about attention seeking. Like, even if somebody has financial problems, listen. It's not about money. Just listen to what they say. You don't know. Maybe listening you can give that person an advice that will save him or her. Right. And oftentimes when people are feeling desperate for whatever reason causes them to feel that way, they, it, they're they also desperate for just a connection, for somebody to see them and hear them and, and validate their feelings. And you know, you can be a stranger and still be the person that makes a difference in another person's life. That's very true. I think that so, more often than not, we have to think about when we're out in public and we see somebody behaving in a way that you know we don't understand. Instead of just making that quick judgment, you know, what's their story? What's going on in their life? Let's you know, let's maybe take a moment to understand that there's some act, some reason behind their action, and and sometimes just listening to the person or being patient or letting them act out or whatever the situation is and not making it worse is what could ultimately save somebody. That's very true. Your podcast, Teens Life Matter, it it really means a lot to me because most people who commit suicide are teenagers. Can you tell people where they, how they can reach out to you like every person out there who listen to this episode. Absolutely. The podcast that I'm doing is called Why Teens Matter and why is spelled out W-H-Y, um, Teens Matter. And it's available on pretty much every place you can get your podcasts. And I also have a website that is whyteensmatter.com. And I can be reached, my email is melody, M-E-L-O-D-Y at whyteensmatter. And uh, I am, I'm very new. I have uh, four episodes and an intro that are uh, launched and out there. My episodes in my first season all have a different theme on purpose because I'm just talking about the things that literally walk into my classroom. Uh, I just, I just dropped an episode on sexual assault and I never thought I would tell my own story about Um, my own rape when I was 12 years old. Uh, I had never even told my mother. And I had in the course of one week, six students come and talk to me about date rape situations, um, former, um, you know, life circumstances where they'd been sexually assaulted or abused. Uh, I, I was blown away. It is so pervasive. 
And this is just one of the many issues that come up in my classroom with my students. And so um, in the course of grieving and processing and missing Gianna and wishing she was here to continue to do the work she was so passionate about helping her friends through tough times and um, and feeling for her that you know teenagers just really need to be validated and they need adults to recognize that their opinions and their things are valid and and yes they lack life experience but that doesn't discount the experience they have up to this point in their life um, and frankly some of their views are way more refreshing than many adult views because a lot of them are at this point in their life pretty unaffected and so it's refreshing to hear their ideas and thoughts and in the same token these kids are dealing with now they're dealing with a pandemic i mean there's no adult that even knows how to help a kid deal with something that we've never had to deal with and and they're dealing with feelings of isolation and you know being having you know been locked in their homes for the better part of a year and depending on where you are um you know these are kids that now need to learn how to socialize again because that wasn't a thing we have a whole new slew of uh body issues I, I had students that didn't want to come back to school because they felt like they were fat and didn't want people to see them like this pandemic created so many real life issues that every adult has experienced and it's all compacted into this single year that has amplified all of their their you know tortures if you will so um so my goal in this podcast is to um bring light to that and so all of the different topics that i talk talk about literally have come up in my classroom and that's why i decided to do an episode on it and um so i'll be doing uh, a future an episode soon on sex trafficking and educating people that it is not um it is not what the movies make it out to be it's actually more common and prevalent um and you know warning signs for not only for teenagers but for parents and and educators alike um in my second season this on mental health and suicide as you probably understand i i felt like i wasn't ready to dive in quite yet um you know gianna's death though it's it's been almost three years it's um it's very raw and very painful and and the healing of suicide loss takes years. And um, I'm putting that together. <laughs> and, uh, and then I will look for help from everybody um, on topics and, and content that will ultimately not only speak to other teenagers that are feeling the same way, but anyone, any person who feels like they are on the edge of making the decision to die um, because it is not the solution to end our problems. Okay, that is great. And I, I seriously, I am going to be your, your big owl lesson. Not because I'm a survivor, because I also, the reason why I opened this podcast was also to be a voice for the voiceless. So listening to your podcast will also mean I will learn a lot so that I can help others out there. Thank so, you, absolutely. And, and I would love to um, have further conversations with you about your experiences. It's, it's so wonderful, I think, to, you know, for everyone listening, you know, we've, 
you're in in Botswana. Is that where you are? Yeah, I'm in Botswana, Africa. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm in you know the United Western part of the United States, and our issues aren't any different. And I just think that it's such a wonderful opportunity. Uh, the world of podcasting is such a wonderful opportunity for us to hear from people in different sides of this earth and recognize that we are all so similar and dealing with the same things and we really can help each other. Yeah, that's true. I'm really looking forward to connecting with you more. Thank you so much, Melody, for coming. And I am so grateful. Like, I learned a lot. I believe people will learn from this, like, we need to be there for each other. We shouldn't dismiss other talk. Thank you so much, darling. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. And kindly visit my website at hazelmasoko.com. Till next time. Bye.